Hey guys, on this week's episode we discuss what is a PA? Hello again and welcome back to the Everything PA podcast. As always, I am your host, Stephen Rogers, Doctor of Medical Science, Physician Associate Certified. And today I'm going to be doing a solo show, uh, no Chris Stone today, uh, and just wanted to talk a little bit about what is a PA. Um, I was going back through some of our uh, first few episodes that we shared with y'all, and uh, we talked about um, how we became PAs, why it's great to be a PA, uh, but we didn't really go over what it is a PA is. Uh, Now, I'm sure most of you um, who are listening are either interested in the profession or in the profession, so you already have some idea as to what a PA is, but we didn't want to assume anything or skip over anything. Plus, I do think it's uh, helpful to sometimes kind of take a step back and learn more about the history and the origins of the profession, even if you're in it and already know a lot of these things. So um, I'll try to keep this interesting, but I do feel like it's uh, something that's important. Um, The American Academy of Physician Assistants, or the AAPA, Uh, is an organization that represents the profession of uh, physician assistant. Um, Notably, uh, recently uh, working to help change our name from physician assistant to physician associate. Um, Notice at the beginning of our uh, episodes, we're now introducing ourselves as physician associates. Uh, So that's kind of new. So forgive me in advance if I accidentally slip and say the word assistant instead of associate. Um, uh, at any rate, they have put together a really nice little PDF called Milestones in PA History, um, and I was perusing their website, and this is available to anybody, even if you're not a member, and I found it really quite helpful to kind of give a timeline of the history of our profession. Uh, so essentially, the basics of it are we are the product of necessity, um, kind of during the mid-1960s. Uh, early 1960s, depending on where you look and who you ask, uh, there was a pretty significant primary care physician shortage in the United States. Now, if you think about the uh, history of the country, not just of our profession, but of the country, at that time, we were uh, involved in the Vietnam War conflict. Um, And again, depending on who you ask and what timeline you look at, that started in the early 60s. So there was a lot of unrest in the country as it was anyway. Um, and uh, here back at home, we had a primary care physician shortage. So um, a uh, physician by the name of Eugene Stead um, decided to take some of the Navy medical corpsmen um, who were uh, back at home and had experience with uh, medical um, practice and procedures and had kind of gone through a sort of crash course um, in the field, uh, he took them and decided to make it a little bit more of a formal training program to help try to um, assist with the uh, shortage. Uh, And he created the Physician Assistant Educational Program at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. Um, They graduated their first class in 1967 with uh, three PAs, Shortly after, the University of Alabama in Birmingham uh, described the first training of surgical PAs, known as surgeon's assistants at that time. So now we have 
physician assistants and surgeons assistants in the field working in the United States to try to help fill uh, voids. As you go through the timeline, once that starts, uh, there is kind of a cascade of other events. Um, Things such as the Physician Assistant Magazine gets published. States start enacting legislation that allows for PAs to be practicing in their uh, individual states. Um, In 1970, Kaiser Permanente is the first HMO to employ a PA. So there's a lot of different things that start happening um, relatively quickly in less than a decade. Um, And um, the uh, physician assistant profession takes hold and it's not long before it has quite a foothold in it and it continues to expand and grow. The American Medical Association gets involved and recognizes us as a profession in the early 70s. So now we have uh, training programs in place. We have graduating providers uh, out in the workforce. We have more and more states uh, enabling us to practice. And now even the physicians are on board and the American Medical Association says, yep, PAs are a thing. So... Continuing forward, uh, there's multiple uh, governing bodies established, including the NCCPA or the National Commission on Certification of Physician Assistants. If you're a pre-PA student or a PA student, you're probably not as familiar with them as you are if you're a practicing PA, but uh, they'll be an obviously important piece of your life moving forward from a professional standpoint. Um, Lots of other things happening in the 70s and 80s. And then we get into some of the, on this PDF that, again, is provided by the AAPA. Thank you to them for this. Um, There are uh, more statistics showing kind of where we're at in the practice of medicine. So just kind of wanting to to fast forward, uh, again, starting from 1967 with the graduating class of three, jump all the way to 2010, which is the most uh, up-to-date data that this document provides, there is 148 accredited PA programs in the United States, 13,000, little over 13,000 PA students, uh, 86,857 graduates, um, and 43,511 uh, folks uh, as part of the AAPA. And uh, all 50 states, as well as the District of Columbia and Guam, allow PAs to practice and prescribe medication. So come a long way in, you know, a relatively short period of time as a profession um, in comparison to uh, some of the other professions out there. So lots of progress, lots of changes very quickly that allowed um, our profession to fill a void. And I think that's rather telling of the profession in general. That's kind of how we started. And if you fast forward to today, as I'm recording this, end of 2021, early 2022, uh, that's still what we're doing. That's still really the main focus of our practice and, and the, the thing that bring, brings the greatest value uh, to us as a profession is our ability to uh, fill in gaps, uh, be flexible, provide care. Uh, so on the other side of this little break, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the actual Uh, on-the-ground practice of a PA and what it is that we do. Okay, so welcome back. Uh, We've talked about the history of the PA profession and how things got started, as well as kind of a brief discussion of the timeline of major changes that allowed us to get from where we were to where we are today. So what is a PA really? Uh, Well, 
uh, it's difficult to describe in, in you know, a brief black and white uh, definition, uh, but essentially we are licensed uh, and nationally certified providers uh, that are able to provide medical care uh, to patients, including diagnostic and therapeutic interventions, prescribing medications, ordering diagnostic testing, interpreting lab results, etc., um, all under the supervision of a uh, physician. Um, now, this is where it gets a little tricky because supervision of a physician is different uh, from one PA to the next, and so most of us practice under a supervisory agreement of some sort. Um, this varies by state as well as by where you practice, um, but essentially it kind of outlines uh, what our scope is uh, under the guidance of our supervising physician. Now, I've worked in a couple of different positions. Um, I started out in a solo practice uh, that was surgical, orthopedic surgery to be specific. And so it was myself and one physician. Um, and so essentially he was there all of the time that I was there. Um, however, our supervisory agreement really only required supervision from the physician uh, via a telephone call. And what I mean by that is he did not have to physically be in the building. He did not have to physically watch me work or anything like that. Uh, I just had to have the ability to reach him via phone anytime I was practicing. Um, this was in the state of Wyoming, which is quite a rural area, and the physician that I worked with liked to travel a lot, so those two things did um, create an atmosphere where I was um, working fairly autonomously um, with him available to me at all times, at least by phone. Um, I was very lucky that I had a very... Um, I guess I would call it nurturing first uh, uh, supervising physician who uh, really gave me a lot of great tools and a lot of great training early on and then sort of gave me the trust and ability to, to do things um, essentially on my own in a safe way. Um, so that worked quite well. Uh, so that was one arrangement. That's just an example. And then I've uh, since moved on to a larger multi-specialty practice with... Um, I believe 14 or 15 surgeons and um, not that many, sorry, nine or 10 surgeons, 11 or 12 PAs, something around that size. Anyway, there's a bunch of us and uh, I have one supervising physician, but essentially multiple physicians can serve as that role. They all kind of pitch in to help if and when I have a question, of course, my PA colleagues can do the same as well. So there's lots of different ways to go about that. But at any rate, we are able to practice with that supervisory agreement in place. And again, uh, depending on where you work, both the geographic location and the state board that um, decides the governance of your practice as well as the individual institution, your supervisory agreement may look very different than those, but um, that is an essential part of our practice. So at any rate, uh, providers who are able to uh, practice under the physician uh, supervision and so that's really where the restrictive piece of our practice ends and the flexibility begins because we can really work in pretty much any setting, in any specialty uh, that will take us. Um, if you want to uh, work in dermatology, you can work in dermatology. If you want to work in lung transplant surgery, you can work in lung transplant surgery. If you want to work in a small clinic in the middle of nowhere and be the uh, everything jack-of-all-trades primary care provider, you can absolutely do that. And really, that's probably what we, uh, as a profession as a whole, 
um, are uh, best suited for would be that kind of jack of all trades, primary care, do a little bit of everything uh, type of provider. But um, that's really where the beauty of our profession comes in is the flexibility. And it's something that I talked about in earlier episodes, uh, which go back and check those out if you haven't already. Uh, we have a couple episodes out already where myself, as well as my colleague, Dr. Christopher Stone, uh, both discuss kind of why we became PAs. And part of it for me was flexibility. I really liked the ability to have the chance to change if I wanted to change. Now, the interesting thing with that, if you know anything about me, is that I've uh, actually stayed in the same specialty uh, my entire career, and I really don't have a whole lot of plans on changing that at this point, but um, I guess it's just nice to know that I could change if I wanted to, but it's uh, come in quite handy during lots of different things. Um, In case you all haven't heard, there's a little a thing called the COVID-19 global pandemic occurring as I'm recording this. And PAs have really been able to step up and, again, fill voids and and, um, be flexible and and provide needs where they are needed and, and, uh, or I'm sorry, provide uh, answers where they're needed and resources where they're needed. And we'll get into this in in future episodes to make sure that you subscribe uh, and follow along as we go here. But We'll be discussing that in a little bit more in-depth, specific to the COVID-19 global pandemic, as that's really kind of the top headline of the time, again, at the time I'm recording this. So um, we'll talk more about that, so please stay tuned. But uh, So PAs are providers that can practice in a very flexible way in all sorts of different specialties. Um, we uh, often have a little bit more luxury of time with our patients, so we're able to provide uh, great care, Um, in a way that is very patient-centered. There's lots of data that show uh, patients that um, CPAs uh, are uh, treated safely and effectively. Um, There's no significant difference uh, based on some current studies uh, that uh, I will link in the uh, show title here. Um, No uh, significant difference in the safety and efficacy of uh, PA care versus physician care. Um, Now, I think that's maybe a good place to uh, just have a brief aside where I I do feel like, you know, as good as it is to be an autonomous provider, I I do feel the need to compliment our physician colleagues because we, of course, can't do it without them. And uh, I, I would not be half the provider I am today if I didn't have great supervising physicians working with me and helping me. Um, So it's always very important to, at any time you can, uh, express your appreciation because what they do is um, nothing short of heroic day in and day out, and uh, we need them uh, just as bad as they need us. They need us as well, and I think it's important to have physicians uh, that are colleagues that understand you know, how we fit and understand it's a team game. It's not me or me or you, it's me and you. Um, So that was just sort of a brief aside there, sorry. But uh, anyway, uh, what is a PA? Well, hopefully I've given you a little bit of information about that. Um, They are usually pretty cool people that have done a lot of cool things and decided they wanted to go into medicine and um, bring all of their unique experiences and all of their unique talents uh, to the field. Uh, and, you know, with the ultimate goal of treating patients, and that's really what uh, we're all in it for, is to treat patients as a team and provide safe and effective care. So um, that'll do it for the solo show. Sorry to make you sit through just my voice. Uh, Chris Stone will be back soon, I'm sure. Uh, 
Uh, in the meantime, as we teased about earlier, there will be further episodes coming uh, with a little bit more information about things such as the COVID-19 global pandemic. If you haven't already, go back and listen to some of our previous episodes that we've released that talk about a little bit more about us and why we chose this profession. Make sure to subscribe to us as well as uh, rate and review um, on uh, whatever platform you choose to find your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, and uh, working on creating a way to uh, make it so that you, the listener, can uh, reach out to us and communicate with us because we want this to be collaborative. Uh, we want to work as a team. That's what PAs do best. So we want to work as a team to provide the best uh, type of content and the best type of discussion possible. So we want to know what it is that you guys want to hear about as well. So working on that, uh, we'll keep you updated. Um, and please be thinking of questions or topics that you'd like for us to cover so that once we have something live, uh, we can um, digest all that information and, and get it out there to you. Uh, this is uh, Stephen Rogers, Doctor of Medical Science, Physician Associate Certified, and the uh, Everything PA Podcast. Thanks again, and go get them.